This is Matthew Cutler-Welsh with Passive House Accelerator and thanks for tuning in to this special bonus episode of the Passive House podcast recorded live at FierceCon 23 here in Houston, Texas. And a big thanks to Zola Windows for their support for this series. I'm here with Kimberly Llewellyn uh, from Mitsubishi. Uh, Kimberly, how are you enjoying the conference so far? I think it's fantastic. This is one of my, this is one of my two favorite events of the year. Um, I feel like it is the most vibrant um, building science community um, who are pushing the envelope on so many fronts, from actually developing and building projects to working on codes and regulations to figuring out the finance piece. So it's, it's great to be here. And you're from up the road, along the road? Uh, over the road, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost due west from Austin, Texas. Right, so similar climate, similar similar type of environment? Yeah, very very similar. So we get slightly more extreme dry bulb conditions, so hotter and colder, but and slightly less humid, but not much. So very, very similar. So yesterday we were in a session talking about uh, sort of fierce and the opportunities for fierce um beyond the u.s what were your takeaways from that i think what i really loved hearing was first of all that there's already a common vision that i think is coagulating (laughs) yeah um and that is that we understand our principles very well. We understand the principle of the building physics very well. One formula and one size does not fit all, which is already baked into the FIAS program. Um, and we need to probably be even a little, uh, not probably even a little, we need to be more intentional around allowing for adaptability um, and then diversification uh uh, that that's built from those core principles as we try to ex- um, expand into a more global market. Yeah. So going back to your technical ability, uh, which is significant, what's your what's your background from a from a technical perspective? Uh, well, I, I trained as a, an engineer in graduate school. I said environmental engineering in a thermodynamics lab. Um, and so my fundamentals were, were strong in thermo and that helped me like when I transitioned into the construction industry, which happened just by one of those funny, you know, flukes of life. I, I met, um, Christoph Irwin is here, uh, with owner of positive energy. I met Christoph Irwin through a, a mutual friend and they were just, they were doing, high efficiency building and also energy ratings at the time. And um, he asked me if I wanted to sign on as an energy rater. And I didn't know the first thing about energy rating, but they put me through the training and um, I I ended up doing that and full blown mechanical design and um, building failures related to moisture issues in our climate um, for about six years with them. Um, That's where Mitsubishi found me. Right, right. Uh, I'm assuming that everyone in Austin knows uh, knows Christoph. E- even I know Christoph. 
I think it's a fairly safe assumption. Yeah. yeah. Certainly in, in this industry. Um, are there similarities from doing um, flow, was it flow dynamics, uh, to doing more moisture-related building science or hydro, hydrothermal analysis? Are there, are there some similarities there or are they completely different? Well, the, what I was working on was, was really very pretty different um but again the the i mean everything we did had was dealing with chemical engineering and the second law of thermodynamics so when you go to any fundamentals of building science a lot of times the first slide you'll see is some form of the second law of thermodynamics and you know making sure that um, you're always looking through the, the lens of more goes to less, whether you're talking about a concentration of energy, of moisture, uh, or pressure. So. Yeah. So big learning from me on the first day, even before the conference got started on the tour, was the need for dehumidification separately from heating and cooling which is, again, separate from ventilation. So I understand the, the separation of ventilation from, from heating and cooling. Um, but tell me a bit about the need for dedicated dehumidification systems, particularly in this climate, which is, is warm and, to me, it certainly feels pretty humid. Yeah. So it's all about the ventilation latent loads. And um, that's where it really becomes impossible in this climate where you've got projects where you're required to have continuous ventilation, um, meaning outside. Where, where is that requirement coming? Is that a physical requirement or is it a code requirement? Oh, well, it's a, so it's a, it's a passive house requirement. So since, since we're here, I was speaking to that. But um, ventilation is also a code requirement, just a general building code requirement in, in the state of Texas. Now, you can do that in different ways. A lot of people think that it's safer to, you know, do like exhaust ventilation, but the bottom line is it's coming in somehow and somewhere and uh, you just don't know where. So you're bringing that humidity into your into your building yeah. somehow. So, so the load is there regardless of what method or strategy you use, whether it's balanced supply or exhaust only. Um, when you control it, you at least have the the chance of con- of of addressing those ventilation latent loads at the source. Yeah. Um, so why is it important? Let me give you an example. So if you had a new construction house that was two thousand square feet, three bedrooms, you'd be required by code to depending upon which code it'd be something in the range of 80 cfm so we're not going to split hairs there we'll just say 80 cfms um so if you ventilated continuously so bringing 80 cfms continuously into a house in this climate you would be introducing something like five gallons of water 80 pints per day of just with your ventilation load. So that's not including any of your internal gains from cooking or showering. It's not completely captured by your exhaust system. Um, so that's, that especially in higher performance construction, like that is significant additional load. And if you've got uh, a lot of people talking about ERVs here yep. as opposed to yep. HRVs, yep. that's not going to help you in that situation. Well, so it helps, but 
the best efficiencies you're going to see at your peak um, humidity load conditions are about 40%. That's the best you're likely to see for latent. 30%? 40, 30 to 40%. 30 to 40%. Latent. Right. So that's different than sensible. You can get much better uh, recovery efficiencies, you know, 70, 80 Eighty percent for the sensible, but the latent is different. We're talking latent is the same thing as humidity. I should yep. have said that. Okay. Yep. Um, so so if so if you've got forty percent at that, you know, five gallons a day. Okay, so you've you've reduced it by forty percent, but you've still got a very significant humidity load that you're yep. introducing, even with an ERV. So that is probably you know. We, I'm sure it's been addressed over and over again. Even the Zender um, gentleman from Zender who was talking about his high efficiency ERV is saying in this climate, you can't, you can't rely upon the ERV alone. You need yeah. supplemental dehumidification. Yeah. I guess the other thing that I hadn't really thought through is the timing uh, and the fact that you, uh, when it's warmer and it's more humid, you want, you need fresh air, but you don't, um, you don't have, you don't necessarily have the cooling on, so you're not getting dehumidification through cooling in that sort of shoulder season, and that's where you might need that's exactly dehumidification. It. Yeah, that's exactly it. So your cooling system is designed to come on um, when it sees what we call a sensible load. So when it's when it's hot outside or when it's hot inside because of your gains. But if there's no if, you, if there's no significant sensible load, but you've got your humidity load, then your system's not designed, your cooling system isn't actually designed to handle that. Um, and so your shoulder seasons where you see those often your peak humidity loads and you've got no, no system that's actually designed to handle that humidity load. Yeah. Your, your cooling system isn't running. Um, so dehumidification happens as a byproduct of cooling but if you don't yeah. need the cooling it's not happening yeah yeah and even if it is running it might not be enough ad adequate in this in this environment of which there are many you know uh, yes. and I, yeah. that's one of the reasons why i was excited to be here is because we have warm humid climates in yeah. australasia yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and we we have a lot of humidity i mean we have really high High humidity, and that's one of our biggest problems: is not recovering heat. Yeah, it's getting enough cool yeah. and fresh air, yeah. and then getting rid of yeah. moisture. So yeah. um, it's a big problem outside of outside of here. What's uh, what's Mr. Bishy doing specifically for helping to solve this? So, so Mitsubishi, we have we've done some good work improving what we call our dry modes, which functions more like the ERV does in a way where we take we can take the edge off the the humidity load um, so it it's doing now now the systems are doing what you would expect them to do with a, a low coil temperature and a slower fan speed we've improved our controls offering so that you can base the running of that dry mode off of a humidity sensor instead of just somebody having to turn it on manually. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So she's sensing the mm -hmm. indoor conditions mm -hmm. and, and having more automation. Yes, exactly. Right. And what about um, in terms of the, the unit? Is there much change in the, the actual units themselves? Um, well, we're, we're working towards more appropriate 
heat exchanger sizing. So, you know, all, all manufacturers, they have, um, they'll use the same size heat exchanger for a few different capacities. And yeah. then the, um, the, 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 the program is different, like for the, the programming is different for different capacity systems. But yeah. for, you know, if you have the same size heat exchanger for a smaller capacity system, um, you're going to get less um, humidity control out of that because essentially you've got you've got more surface area that you're delivering um, cooling from. What it means is that I'm not explaining this very clearly. What it means is that your the coil temperatures are not not going to be maintained as cold, yeah. which means they're not going to have as much leak capacity. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that struck me from going to see Jesse's house and, and yeah. the tours was how tiny the ERV was yeah. relative to uh, the rest of the, the air handling unit, which was uh, the biggest part was the, the heater, um, cooler, air conditioner, yeah. and then also the dehumidifier box sitting on top of the the, oh. um, the air conditioning unit. Yeah. Uh, and those ducts are big you know they're yeah. at least two or three times the size of the, the ventilation units and i yeah. think that i hadn't fully appreciated the amount of air the volume that you need to move to get rid of that moisture and, and to pull it out and that's a closed system because it's not it's not coming in inside or outside of the house it's it's working within the thermal envelope because the, yes. the erv is is doing the Right. The heavy lifting in terms of bringing fresh air yes. in yeah. but then there's a, there's a separate system that's running internally to to get the humidity down. So I haven't laid eyes on that design specifically, but one reason they might they might have larger ducts is to control the static pressure of that air distribution system right. to match the the fan, the air handling unit fan. Because you don't want you don't, drafts inside? Uh, because you don't want to have more resistance within the duct system than what this right. fan is designed to handle. Right, right. All of this also leads me to the question about capability in the mm. industry. And mm. something I've become aware of where I work is that there are lots of really clever, experienced mechanical services engineers yeah. in the commercial space. Yeah, bigger buildings yeah but very few in the residential yeah. space and there are there are there are ventilation sales people yeah in the, in the, and 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 heat pump sales people but do we have a problem with uh capability and um the number of people qualified in this residential space in the smaller systems yes absolutely i mean we have we just generally have a a trade a trade a problem with qualified trades um and and i've seen some optimistic uh movement towards young people going into trades going into trades programs um so i'm hoping that that trend really is growing some roots um but the short answer is uh yes we it's 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 hard it's hard to find qualified contractors um especially to do this kind of um, higher performance installation work. Yeah, because it it gets quite complicated. It's not simply a matter of installing ductwork and and fitting a box up in the in the in the ceiling somewhere. I feel like that's our fault, though. 
I feel well. I feel like we 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 really need to improve our playbooks because I don't think it. I don't think it needs to be super complicated. I mean, what are we trying to do? Like, like for passive homes, it's usually unless they're just a few, a handful of bedrooms, you're usually going to want to install a ducted system. So you've got a ducted air air conditioning system, space conditioning system. You're you've got ERV. Um, and it probably its own duct system. Um, and then you've got a dehumidifier. It's not that hard to integrate the dehumidifier and the space conditioning system. I think the real question is, what do we really want to do with that ventilation air? Um, right. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's where it gets a little bit, a little bit trickier. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, the, another issue that came up. Uh, during the tour was finding people who are willing to um, commission a system properly. So installing is one thing, or designing, then installing, but then also checking that it's up and running and working properly and probably coming back again at the the change of seasons to make sure it's it's still working. Set up properly, operating as intended. Yeah, Um, that's true. I feel like there's... There's so much opportunity business-wise for people, um, yeah, for people who are technically inclined, for people who like field work. Um, I want to see, I'm hoping that that we're going to see more people entering into the space. You know, what happened back in the, I guess it was the mid, like, 2000s, with ARA funding, there was this big um, growth in the Raider community. Yeah. Um, everybody thought that there was going to be, like, tons of, of Raider work. And there was some, but it was never it was never as much as anybody thought. I think that there – and we've built upon that Raider community, you know, for weatherization programs. We've pulled from the Raider community for – commissioners and raiders for passive house community Um, utilities use the same community to verify their savings from their rebate programs and weatherization programs so i think i'm hoping to see like with the ira with the inflation reduction act i'm hoping that that is going to spur um um a a a growth in in these in this these expertise yeah. particularly around hvac and commissioning yeah. like you're saying i think it's a rating community a raider community again i guess it's the tie-in that it's a raider community that probably has is best positioned to reach into that space yeah i think so too because it, it's far better to have someone come in who's got a level of independence rather than mm. the person who sold you the kit to to come in and and do it even if it's just to to verify it um what are there any other things that you'd like to see yeah what what would you like to see uh happen either as a result of this conference Mm -hmm. fierce passive house wise Mm -hmm. or or ventilation and and heating cooling specifically where where would you like to see things in the next say three years oh gosh there's so many things i want (laughs) to see happen that's why i'm always so busy um I would really like to see our industry work on a latent efficiency rating for mechanical systems. So one thing that's really skewed 
uh, HVAC performance, well, heat pump performance, um, has to do with our existing um, SEER and ear ratings, which don't take latent capacity and latent efficiency into account. And so as we're seeing just across the board, lower load new construction, which is lower sensible load new construction, and we're seeing more and more ventilation being required, I think it's going to come to a head where we see like, you know, the, the space conditioning systems really could do a lot more of the heavy lift of the latent control um, at higher efficiencies. um, If we just didn't skew all of the, the ratings um, towards sensible efficiency. So we're actually working against ourselves. So in order to, qualify for many rebates especially in the south you have to you have to meet these ear and seer criteria but that that says nothing about the latent efficiency of those same systems so you have people installing basically misapplying equipment and installing really high sensible efficiency systems when what they really need is a system that gets credit in its efficiency rating for having good latent efficiency. And that's going to be more important the further south Absolutely. you go because of yeah. the more humidity. It's and it's going to also start, you know, we've already seen it stretch up into more northern climes where um, the lower the sensible load, especially with passive buildings, like they're starting to see humidity issues also. Right, right. So it's they have no sensible yeah, load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you, I hope Matthew. you enjoy the, uh, the rest of the conference. Thanks.